Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back and welcome to episode 11. I couldn't have asked for better synchronicity than to have today's guest on episode 11. For about the last year, I've seen the number 11 everywhere I go. Now, if you follow numerology or angel numbers, you know that the number 11 is considered the illuminator or the messenger. It relates to those of us that are here to be inspirational guiding lights. I think of it as a message for my angels that I am on the right path, aligned with my highest purpose. And when I see the number, I am reminded to continue my affirmations, my positive thoughts and optimism and share more light with others. So how perfect, because this is really so much of how the Rock Your Joy podcast was born. And my guest today is like a wink from my guides, from my angels, as she's an incredible coach and someone I call a friend, but I'm so lucky to have her in my world, reminding me to stay fluid and open and deeply engaged in my own soul journey. Andy Love is a highly trained embodiment facilitator, speaker, and healer. She's the founder of the Love Vibe Facilitator Program and Soul Flow Method, which focuses on embodiment practices for deep connection to soul and developing sustainable success in life and business. She holds a master's degree in transpersonal counseling psychology and has made it her mission to redefine the ways the coaching world is teaching success and co-creating. Welcome to the show, Andy. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, thanks for being on. I I am as equally happy just to see and hear your voice as I am to get to really dive into some of the things that make you and your work special and share that with this audience because I think it's been great. Cool. So we'll dive right in a little bit and we can kind of play around, but really I would love to know what's your mission? Like who is Andy Love as a company and as a person? What is your mission? Yeah, oh, this is a good question. It's it's interesting that you're asking this because I was actually um, doing a lot of reflecting on this over the last you know couple of weeks, really saying like, really focusing on my why and what, like what is it that I'm doing and why is it that I'm doing it, and so I'm like redefining mission. And so it's, it's, it's fun that you're like opening up the the conversation with like, tell us what this mission is. For me, it's really about um, service and impact first. So when I launched my company, when I, when I launched this business, it really came from this deep desire to do more in the world. And I wasn't really sure when we were kind of putting all the pieces in place, like what that actually looked like. But I had a really strong vision that was pulling me forward. This idea of impact, an idea of changing the conversation in the entrepreneurial space around why do we do what we do? What drives us? What pulls us forward? What is the greater impact and legacy that we're leaving behind? Um, And really about kind of shifting that conversation and shifting the conversation around success. And so the mission for us is 
is to always have impact be at the foundation of everything that we do. Um, whether that's, you know, making a greater impact on our community or on our neighborhoods or more of a global scale of making a greater impact in the world, but having those conversations and openly having those conversations and challenging people to talk about things that they may not talk about. So our mission is impact first, impact first, impact first. It has been since day one. And, you know, I think for us right now, as we're in this kind of new energy of the world, it's even more important to be having this conversation of saying, you know, how are we serving each other and why? Like, why, why is that important? So, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's reevaluating their mission right now in a way. We've all been forced to kind of pause, but in that pause, there's so much reflection and, and it's beautiful if we allow for it. Yeah. You know, I've been waking up every day, just asking the question of like, how can I be of service today? And not necessarily even in service of others, but in service of myself as well. And it's been interesting because I tie that back to, you know, what I do for a living, which is very much a part of who I am. And I can't be in service of others if I'm not in service of myself. And so I go back into this, like, if I want to make an impact, I have to make an impact with myself first. What does that look like? And then how does that create a greater ripple into the work that I do? And then how does that create a greater ripple in the work that the people that I work with do, right? Because it's all, it's all connected. So. Yeah. And I think, a, I don't want to say it's a hard thing, but it's just that we need the reminder always like oxygen mask first. Yes. Then we can, we cannot pour from an empty cup. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. now. I was going to say, yeah. And I think we're all like realizing that now even, even more than like before, right? It's, it's like a great thing. It's like a great concept. But I think what's happening right now is, is people are actually living in that, you know, living in that energy of like what it means to have our oxygen mask done first. So, so embodiment facilitator is not, it's not a title we hear very often, but yeah. Tell me about the practice of embodiment and what that means, what that looks like. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I've just finally started to embrace that title, right? Um, You know, people ask me, what do you do? Uh, Or I'll be at events and, you know, or like if I'm, you know, with my husband at something for like his, his work in the world and people say, so tell me about what you do. Tell me about your business. And I'm always like, I coach people, you know, it's like this really weird, like pause before I own what I do. And, and lately I've been wearing this title of embodiment facilitator, because when I think about my work and especially over these last few weeks, when I really think about the mission of who I am and who this company, you know, is and what we represent, it's really about this energy of coming into our truth And so when we hear the word embodiment, people can think a lot of different things. And it's almost like a very, it's like a vague kind of concept, right? We have our own interpretations. And for me, it's about fully embracing who we are and why we're here and allowing ourselves to show up in vulnerability and taking off the masks and the um, almost the illusion that I think sometimes we feel like we have to put out into the world to maybe get respect or be considered, you know, someone with credibility. And so I'm really into this energy right now of peeling back the layers, taking off the masks, kind of 
demystifying the illusions or the perceptions that people may have around um, entrepreneurs or success and really just fully stepping into this deeper call of our soul that we all have. Every single person has. No one can can de- deny, right? Rather, whether they are accepting of it or not. Like, I think if people really just sit in the stillness, they know that there's something deep in their soul that calls them to do whatever they're doing in their life. And so the embodiment practice is really about tapping into that and really listening and slowing down and getting clear too on where maybe in our life we have things that hold us back from really um, allowing ourselves to cultivate in this energy of who we actually are. So that's what I do. I mean, I really try to help people like shine the light. It's almost like I'm just like holding a flashlight and saying like, here, look over here, look over here. Is there anything in this corner? To really help people start to identify where they're holding themselves back and then giving them tools so that they can fully step into to who they are and what they're here to do. Mm. And how did you begin this journey for yourself? Like you obviously have a master's degree because I think that um, more than ever, we're not in like a linear career world. And so the the pivots and the moves that you've made have been about following that soul call for you. So tell us about how it evolved. Yeah. You know, I always knew, like, I always knew I wanted to work with people. Like when I was very, very, very young, like I had this strong, strong, strong desire and urge to to work with people. Like it was just something I was like, I want to be a counselor. I want to be a teacher or, you know, I want to be a special ed teacher. Like, you know, when people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was like that. I would, those were the things that I was saying. So there was always this desire to like understand like the human soul. And I was very, very, very like inquisitive kid. Um, I would drive people crazy because I would ask people a million questions. And um, I was curious about things that most people my age at the time were not curious about. Um, And so that was kind of, I think, just part of who I was, kind of how I came into this, into this world and onto this earth. And then, you know, when I was in school, I, my undergrad was in art therapy and psychotherapy. So again, kind of going down that path. Um, but I started having a lot of health issues in my late teens and early twenties. And, you know, I was really seeking like medical diagnoses for me to understand what these like physical symptoms I was having. Like I, I needed, I needed something to say like, oh, you have this because of this. And I was kind of stumping doctors. Like I would go into doctor's offices and they would do all these tests and they'd come back and say, well, you know, you don't have this, 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 and this, but you know, maybe it's that like they, they, it was like, they couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And so at that point, I started looking into a lot of other modalities. I was looking into a lot of like Eastern medicine, um, looking into things like yoga, Reiki, you know, and 20 years ago, most people weren't talking about energy healing and Reiki, you know, uh, it, it's just, it wasn't something that was as mainstream as, as it is now. You know, most people now, if you say the word Reiki, they, um, they know what that is, you know, um, and you know. 20 years ago, like it wasn't that people didn't know what Reiki was, but it wasn't a common thing that was talked about. And so I kind of fell into this world 
of, you know, energy and healing and things that people were like, that you're weird. Um, but it really intrigued me because what was actually happening was that I was slowing down to understand a deeper part of myself. It wasn't so much that Reiki was healing me or yoga was healing me, although it was part of my, my journey. I was taking time to say what's going on internally for me that may be showing up as a symptom or as dis-ease in the body. And that deeper understanding was, it was powerful. Like it gave me a sense of control that I really felt like I was lacking. And so I decided to continue my education, went on and got a master's degree in transpersonal counseling and psychology, really with this emphasis on somatic studies and I was blown away with how powerful these techniques and modalities can be, not just for my clients, but I was really my own case study. Like everything I was learning, I was like practicing it behind the scenes at home or taking myself through the meditations or the practices or the movement or the artwork. And I was seeing this profound impact on really starting to understand myself and putting the pieces back together. Like noticing how dissociated I was living from life. I think a lot of people don't even realize how much they're on autopilot. And part of what's happening right now, I think, is that because we're all kind of being forced to slow down, people are naturally starting to get into their bodies and be like, whoa, this is really uncomfortable. Or I need to get back outside and I need to get back to distraction and I need to get back to these things that keep us disconnected. And so in my own journey for many years, about 20 years, I was slowing down to understand. And it's this very full circle moment for me because now this is the work that I'm doing with my clients that I never thought, you know, never thought that I would be doing. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it started with and a very inquisitive young mind that was intrigued and wanted to help people to my own personal struggles and obstacles that led me to a book on chakras that opened up a whole new world. And, you know, I turned it into, turned it into my, my education and my career and then left that behind for a little while and then came back full circle. And now it's so clear to me why, why all the things that I've been through, I've been through, you know? Mm -hmm. And Somatic healing, I think, is a, a bit of a new term for people. What, yeah, like, what are the modalities that or the techniques that you find most impactful that you're working with with your clients? Yeah, so somatic is really just about being in the body. So it's 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 a practice of you know you so one could say that yoga is a somatic practice. It's it's anything that gets us into our body and what that means. Because some people are like, well, what does that mean? Get into my body. Um, a minute, <laughs> dancing, you know, dancing is a somatic practice, mm. um, running, jogging, working out. Like if, if you think about like people talk about runner's high, right? Why we're releasing endorphins. It feels good. So, um, running is a somatic practice. So for me, um, I'm really into, into a meditative dance. That's my favorite practice where it's guiding people through a practice where you're dancing and moving the body. Um, not choreographed, uh, but it's really about letting energy move, releasing energy that may be stuck or blocked or causing discomfort. 
Um, breath work is another really beautiful practice, different types of breath work, different rhythmic breathing, pranayama breathing, things that allow us to increase our lung capacity. Again, releasing, it's releasing endorphins, it's releasing chemicals in the body that can reduce stress, that can reduce anxiety, can help us sleep better. So these are the type of practices that I like to incorporate into, into my work while also helping people with practicality, right? Because a lot of times I think where the struggle comes in is, you know, maybe they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, or they don't have the time, or they don't know how to plan it into their days. So it's about looking at kind of the whole person and saying, well, what works best for you? Because what works for me might not work for you, or it might not work for a client of mine. And so it's really about an exploration of trusting yourself and understanding the language that your body speaks. And so that's a real focus that I like to put on my work is that this is not about me telling you what to do. It's about me guiding you into a process that allows you to say, oh, this is what my body needs or desires right now. And then trusting that you have the answer of what that thing is. So I could go tell a client, go take a hot salt bath and they might hate being submerged in water, right? So that might not work for them. Uh, but for me, that is a really meditative practice. So this is a, about also learning how to he- listen to our intuition, right? How to listen to that gut instinct. You know, you, I, I'm not a mother, but I know you have a lot of mothers will say like, it's the maternal instinct or like my mom gut. My mom always used to say this to me, like my mom gut knew, right? Like, what is she talking about? Well, that's that's part of that, that intuitive hit that when we just know, oh, I should turn down this street instead of that street type of thing. We have that ability to do that with all aspects of our life. And so it's about really just tuning into what language our body is speaking to us. It sounds like too, it's a process of learning to trust that because I think there is a Maybe we're taught to not trust those gut instincts, right? So which yeah. are being mar- marketed at in every direction. Right. So this is a, com- a really a a way to come back to that intuitive trust, right? And it's like the difference too between like a fear that is something that's just stretching us out of our comfort zone versus like this is a fear because it's not safe. And I think sometimes two people get confused. They don't know how to differentiate between like what is that intuition and that gut instinct versus like, you know, what's a real fear or what's my limiting belief versus like the truth. And so the more that we can understand our body and how our body interprets information, there's just a deeper clarity there when we're making decisions even. You know, I see a lot of people get stuck not taking action. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, and it's like they're letting a limiting belief of the mind dictate their choices rather than the intuition of their body to make the move. So it's really about, you know, differentiating to um, I'm in the process of writing a book right now called Out of My Mind and Into My Body. And it's this whole story of how I had to really get out of the thoughts of my mind. Not that we don't want to be in our minds, we do, our minds provide us very powerful information, but what parts of our mind are we allowing us to dictate the choices that we're making in our life? And for me, it was about a coming home into the body and letting the body start to kind of take the driver's seat and being able to differentiate between, oh, this is a thought pattern or a belief 
that actually is not mine or was imprinted on me and doesn't serve me versus like, oh, wait, like this is a logical decision based off of something that's true, right? Yeah. And is that a muscle that you think we have to be constantly working? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like anything, you know, mindset work, embodiment work, it's not like one day we just wake up and we're like, oh, we've mastered this. Now we're good. Right. It's, it's, I feel like it's, we are always evolving. The world is always evolving. The energy around us is always evolving, changing, shifting in every single moment. And so the more that we can be tapped into ourselves, we're in this like presence, present energy. Like I call it like the present moment energy. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, I talk about like integrity muscle and mindset muscle and embodiment muscle. And just like anything else, like, you know, if you're not practicing, if you're not sharpening that ax, like you lose the skill set. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. You've used a term before and it's, it's a term that's come up a few times. I think it's, I'd love just your thoughts on it, especially right now with so much going on and different, you know, um, there's a sway of where we should be on the spectrum of of handling this and managing the present moment and everything that's coming up. And that's spiritual bypassing. Mm. I think it's really relevant right now. And I'd love to hear your your wisdom, your thoughts on that yeah. for, for all of us. So this was a truth bomb that like slapped me in the face about 13 years ago. I was sitting in a class in grad school and um, my professor just like called me out, (laughs) called me out. And it was, it was at the time, you know, I was, I was younger. I was in a really intensive grad program in my early twenties. So I was probably one of the youngest people in in my little cohort and thought I knew everything, right. You know, I kind of was still in that adolescent brain of like, I've got the world figured out and, you know, um, and yeah, not at all. And so, you know, the term spiritual bypassing is really, um, my interpretation is when we try to bypass what we're experiencing or feeling because it's uncomfortable. So an example would be like in the spiritual coaching community, which is a community that I spend a lot of time in, you'll hear people say, we just need to stay high vibe. We just need to have positive thoughts. Like the universe has us, we're infinitely supported. And although those things are are true, if we're not acknowledging though where the discomfort or the dis-ease or the blocks are, and we just try to put a high vibe bandaid over it, we're actually creating resistance. And this happens all the time. So it's, and it's frustrating for someone like me because, um, you know, I had that truth bomb slap me in the face many years ago and I can see how, um, how much of a disservice that can be to ourselves and to our work and to our clients and to the world. So for me, it's not about, you know, going into a victim story or living in the woe is me, but it's about saying like, okay, I acknowledge that right now I'm angry. Like I feel angry that, you know, I, can't leave my house and, and walk into a restaurant and sit down at a table, right? Um, I feel angry that people are dying or wh- whatever the, the things are that we're angry about. If I just say, well, I don't want to feel that because feeling that is a low vibration and low vibrations attract low vibrations, then what I'm doing is I'm actually bypassing the reality of what's going on for me in my internal being. And so by bypassing that, what's happening is I'm actually blocking that emotion from moving through and it creates resistance in our body. And so 
that anger may not show up for a year, two years, three years, four years, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm having some sort of reaction or post-traumatic stress or something that's triggered from something that's happened maybe months, weeks, years prior that I didn't allow myself to process. So I think it's really important that we acknowledge what's up for us without getting stuck, right? It's like acknowledging, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. What can I do? How can I move through this? What does my body need right now? Right? So this is again, why going back to the embodiment work is so important because it allows us to start to interpret maybe what's coming up for us or how we're feeling and knowing different tools or strategies or techniques that we can do to help move the energy through. It doesn't mean that um, it's just going to go away, but it's about our comeback, right? How quickly can we move back into a state that feels good, right? Without just neglecting what's coming up for us. So a lot of times we'll just see people that try to bypass, 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 don't want to feel that, don't want to feel that, don't want to feel that. And the truth is, is that those feelings don't go anywhere. So you know, my, my, my professor at the time, she used a really great analogy with me. She said, you know, I want you to imagine that all the things that you're bypassing right now are a beach ball. And you're taking that beach ball and go into a body of water, an ocean, a lake, a stream, whatever. And I want you to just push that beach ball down as far as you can. The farther down you push it, when you let it go, the higher it's going to pop up, right? And so we don't want to bypass what we're feeling by pushing it down because eventually at some point we won't have the capacity to push anymore. And when we let go, it will explode. And so embodiment work is also about capacity and increasing our capacity to feel experience and then to feel and experience and hold space for others as well. Right? So it's not just about what we can do for us, but as we do this work, what I have found is that, um, I'm a better partner. I'm a better spouse. I'm a better, you know, daughter, relative, friend, coach. Because as I work on my own capacity with myself, it allows me a greater capacity with others. So it's a really beautiful practice that is about impact, service, and um, value. Right? It goes back right. to the mission. Yeah, how you show up in the whole part, all the parts of your life. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of others. A lot of your work is bringing women together in boot camps, workshops, retreats. What do you, how do you, important do you feel that interpersonal relationship is the, because, you know, there's a lot of work that's done maybe one-to-one, but speak to that kind of the, the energy or the power of bringing people together to do this work. Yeah. I mean, for me, community is everything. Um, and I think we're realizing that more now than ever. You know, I kept saying, I kept having this inkling. I was like, things are shifting. Like people want people, people need to be in the presence of people. And I didn't know why I was getting that intuitive hit, but I, I've been saying it for months, probably the last eight or nine months. I keep saying things are shifting. People are going to want to be in the presence of people even more. And I think what's happening now is we're realizing how important it is to have connection with each other. And it's great that we have technology and all these ways to, to be in energy with each other, but there's something really powerful about human connection in person. And for me, whether that's happening in person or it's happening through a screen, there's something beautiful about being in containers, sacred containers, small containers, where we can dive deep um, into our own work, into this process, because Two things happen when we come into a 
a small group or a retreat experience or even, you know, a, a, a Zoom chat with a group of, of women. And I'm saying women because for me, I work with women. We're bringing not just ourselves, but we're bringing our entire family system. And it allows us an opportunity, one, to show up and be seen. And that's a real big part of my mission is to allow people to show up fully and be seen in the energy of unconditional love, because there's something really healing about that. And most people, regardless of how great your relationships are or how wonderful your your family dynamic is, most people are not allowed a place to show up and be seen in unconditional love. And so for me, that's really the foundation of what I do when I create these spaces. But it's also about creating corrective experiences because we're bringing in our entire family system when we come into any group. Um, it gives us an opportunity to create a corrective experience for maybe parts of ourselves that we have bypassed or we've pushed down or we've neglected. And so it can just be a really healing um, experience for people. And for me, it's it's the foundation of everything when we're doing this deeper work. And so I am all about the human connection, all about the the facilitation of bringing people together in spaces and allowing ourselves to to create a container really for each other. And, you know, I, I was having, having a conversation with somebody the other day um, and I was talking about, you know, what, this work is so important because not only does it teach us to hold space and capacity for ourselves, but it allows us to do it for our peers as well. And a lot of my clientele um, do similar work. That, that I'm doing or they're coaches or they, they want to facilitate or lead in some way. And so coming into a space and having this opportunity to hold space for others allows you to then have the greater capacity to hold space for your clients. Um, I'm really big on saying if you're only holding space or interested in holding space for people because you're getting paid to do it, you're not going to be good at it. So in these containers and these retreats and these masterminds and these boot camps that I'm creating, I'm teaching people how to practice holding space for their peers. It's going to make them a way better facilitator and coach. Um, it ha- you have to remove um, what's in it for you. And so it's challenging. It's really challenging because we can get triggered by people or we can feel annoyed by people or, you know, that's just real life. But then it allows you an opportunity to mirror back and say, what about this is reflective of my family system that needs to be healed so that I can show up even better in my work in the world. So um, to me, it's a way to really collapse time and, uh, and shine light on why connection is so important. That's amazing. Fascinating. And how, as a facilitator, as someone who's handling or, or, um, you know, facilitating so much of this emotion, how do you, protect yourself? How do you find uh, and stay stay neutral and not be triggered yourself if we're all showing up with our own stuff? Yeah. You know, it's a lot of work. Um, I think for me, it's why the embodiment practices are so important. It's about um, doing the capacity work, emotional capacity, spiritual capacity. Um, you know, I have a therapist. I'm a huge advocate for get a therapist. Um, you know, it's something I talk about all the time. You know, I ha- I have a support system that allows, you know, allows me to um, utilize them. And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, I have people who are supporting my mission that 
are my, I want to say they're my like venting ground, right? But like, you know, it, it, I have a place where I can go as well. Um, I don't do this work uh, solo. So, um, you know, and I'm really, 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 really committed to my own inner healing. Um, I don't have to have it all figured out. I do not have it all figured out. Um, I'm constantly going through my own evolving. It's really interesting. Uh, every like expansion I move into something like just shows up in my path. Like you get to heal this now. I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Um, okay. You know, uh, but I, I'm always looking for the lessons. So when I'm in those groups, I'm staying connected into my why and what, right? Why am I doing this? What am I doing it for? Why am I doing this? And what am I doing it for? And when we can really stay connected to that, it makes it so much easier. So yeah, of course, there are times where I'll get triggered or I'll feel the pain of what maybe a client is going through. But I'm just really strict with my own self-care practices so that I don't take those things on. And there are times when I do, but then I have the resources and the tools to be able to say, oh, shoot, like I need to navigate this one because I am I feel like I'm carrying some residual energy uh, and self-care, you know, self-care is a non-negotiable for me and whatever that looks like, you know, whether that's a bath or taking a day off or unplugging or turning off my phone or going outside or planting in my garden, journaling, laughing, <laughs> crying, yeah. binging a short, you know, yeah. yeah, whatever I need. Right. And so again, understanding the language that my body speaks allows me to then say, what do I need right now to help me move this emotion or process this thing that I'm carrying? I love the differentiation you made between being of service and not being selfless, right? It's not about selfless. It's really being in service for, and I think that applies to whether someone's coaching or a mother, like we, we, we are here to serve, but it's not being selfless. You have to be self-full. You really have to be pouring into yourself and understanding and be listening and using the practices you're talking about and even creating a self-container maybe and saying, this is what's safe for me right now. And I'm, I'm very um, conscious of like, what do I need to do to protect my energy right now? So like if I'm going into a space or I'm going to facilitate, like I have a ritual that I do going in and I have a ritual that I do coming out and those things are non-negotiables. So it is like, you know, if we're getting into our vehicle and we're, we put our seatbelt on, right? Most people, let's, let's hope, right? Most people, before we go to drive somewhere, we put on our seatbelt and it's the same thing. So if I'm going to facilitate and I know that like I'm in quote unquote charge, right? Um, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do. And that doesn't mean not showing up in my vulnerability. So I think there's, there's two parts of this. If I, you know, I allow my clients to see parts of myself that maybe some people would say, well, you shouldn't let them see that aspect of you or that vulnerable part of you. And for a long time, I tried to, that's how I tried to operate, right? Like I need to be strong all the time and no one can ever see when I struggle. And that didn't serve me. It led to, it led to a lot of burnout. So now I will share parts of myself also from a place of like, and I'm in control, you know, like I, I'm not like, I, I'm not going to steer our ship into the iceberg, you know, like I see there are icebergs around and I know how to navigate them. 
right? And so I think that's an important piece as well is like allowing ourselves to be in our vulnerability because when we're in our vulnerability, then we're in that authenticity and the authenticity allows us to stay grounded. So when we can show up that way, it's easier to not take on the energies of others because we're we're grounded in the present moment. So what are your current practices that are of embodiment, these somatic practices, these, you know, how are you staying connected to your soul and your, and your center? Yeah. So I'm, I'm been doing this new thing lately where I've been going outside every morning. And again, like the things that work for me might not work for somebody else, but like what my day is looking like right now. And it's so funny because you know, I've been working at home for the last four years. Like my day to day hasn't really changed much, but the collective energy is so wonky that I'm like, I can like feel the impact, right? Or just even something as simple as like, I used to get weekly facials. That was like a big part of my practice. Not happening right now, right? So I'm like, okay, I need to get creative. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm actually going outside every morning. Um, and I'm spending about 30 minutes outside just outside in my my yard, my space, just walking around like, oh, a new flower bloomed or there's the same bird that's here every single morning, right? But I'm I'm spending time really just tuning into my senses. So um, smell, taste, touch, noticing like, oh, wow, the canyon, I live on a canyon and I'm noticing how alive the canyon is in the morning, tons of sounds and noises. So that's kind of how I'm starting my morning and it's just getting me like tapped in. Um, I've also been doing a uh, mindful eating. Uh, so having like, and I'm not doing this every day, but I'm doing this a couple times a week where like I'll have a meal and I'm just really exploring like the tastes in my mouth, the flavors of the food, slowing down, chewing, like really experiencing the, um, the practice of eating. So again, these are things that get you slowing down and into your body. You're noticing like, Oh, this has a lot of garlic or, you know, whatever it is. So I've been doing that a couple times a week um, and just taking time to kind of slow down while I'm eating. I've been going for daily walks. Um, I have a dog, but it, whether I had a dog or not, like I would be going for daily walks. <laughs> the most I need walked dog in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole, I've like realized I'm like, wow, like every person in my neighborhood has a dog that I've never seen before. Like, so either people are driving into my neighborhood to walk their dogs or like these poor dogs were not getting walked four months ago. Um, but walking, you know, walking, walking, walking and, um, you know, putting in music and walking or just like being in a meditative state while walking. So walking has been really a big one for me. Dance. So I have a dance um, embodiment practice that I do at least, a, you know, a few times a week. And it could even be 10 minutes just dancing, dancing in front of a mirror. So anything that gets me moving, obviously, and anything that gets me to slow down and tap into my senses. So smelling. So if you have essential oils, I mean, anything that's again, like giving you a moment to take time. Um, I also do salt bath every single day. That is a non-negotiable. That has been a non-negotiable practice for me for many, many, many years since high school. So like I used to drive my parents crazy because I'm sure we had like the highest water bill in our city because I just, for me, a bath is a really great way to just feel into my body. So, um, a bath, bath is a non-negotiable part of my practice, um, 
and movement. Bath and movements are really like the two things, but get creative. Like I tell people like, you know, do a face mask every day or um, a tea, a ritual with like making a cup of tea and like drinking the tea. So anything that's bringing you into the moment. But for me lately, it's been mornings outside and mindful eating and the dog is getting a lot of walks. <laughs> and they're salt baths. Like living in his harness. Yeah. <laughs> no. He's living his best life. I love it. He's like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I love it. Well, Rock Your Joy is all about women cultivating joy. So we talked about the centering and those somatic things that are bringing you in. Where are you finding joy in these moments, in these days? Ah, uh, yes. This is good. So every day... Also, finding something you're grateful for or something that's brought you joy in the day, even if it's something really small, right? So um, for me right now, really, it's it's my dog. Like he's hilarious. And so I'm like finding joy and just even spending time with like watching him like do like the funniest things, you know, I'm like sniffing, like I'm like, oh man, like he's sniffing more today or, you know, finding things to laugh at. Um my husband and I have been like recording funny videos and like texting them to each other from like the other room, you know, finding like finding ways to laugh. Like what's funny right now? Like what's one funny thing today? Um, memes. Okay. I've been finding a ton of joy in memes lately. Like (laughs) I just like, I'm looking at some memes and I just like, I laugh like so hard. And the other thing that I've been doing actually is going on my phone and looking at photos of moments that have been really great, like travel or, you know, photos with like my family. And it's funny because people are like, doesn't that make you sad? And I'm like, no, like it's reminding me of what's important. And it's like, it's, it's joyful. It's bringing, it brings me a feeling of joy. And then music. I realized how much I love music. I've been really just like finding like joy in records and um, like just artists that I haven't listened to in a long time and like blasting music. Like we've been blasting music. We've been doing brunch, um, making brunch every day. And like that's been something my husband and I have been doing, like blasting music throughout the house, like cooking brunch. And so it's like, what will make me happy right now? You know? Uh, and asking that question and then just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was You're awesome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's so good. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore healthy living. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.